Welcome back to Normies Like Us, the podcast that reminds you it is hip to be square. It's the return of the great adventure on this week's episode as we raid a few temples of doom in our last crusade to talk all about the Crystal Skull. It's the pod that belongs in a museum. Get ready for Indiana Jones on Normies Like Us. Good afternoon, Dr. Jones. I ought to kill you right now. This is the second time I've had to reclaim my property from you. That belongs in a museum. In the way. Throw me the idol. Nazis. I hate these guys. We named the dog Indiana. Snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? Normies, ladies and gentlemen, it's the return of the last great adventure. Things are getting a little pulpy. We're punching Nazis. We're searching caves. We're trying to find some treasure. We're doing all the jobs archaeologists really do. Uh, that's up for debate. But we're talking Indiana Jones on Normies Like Us in our summer of fun uh, with your host. This is uh, Colin Sala, we'll say. All right, I'll be a uh, Kali Mike. Uh, Indiana Joes. <laughs> Classic. Um, I'll be uh, Cobb Round, Jay Cobb Round. Hey, you'll be <laughs> that. You'll be that little Nazi monkey. You're you're doing a little salute to us, <laughs> a little hail Hitler. Uh, it's corny, but it's it's good. You know that it emboldens the spirit of the series Bad that we're talking dates. about today. Bad, Bad dates. dates. <laughs> Indiana Jones knows a thing or two about bad dates if you catch my meaning. That's right. That's right. Hey. Yeah. I'm saying he's a ladies man. He's a lady killer. He's, sure is. Sometimes. Um, he's eating poison food. Normies, we're here. We're talking about the serial hero who was inspired by serials. who comes out much later. We're talking about a James Bond replacement. We're talking about all these incredible things. Um, and, you know, we're just... Uh, we're talking about the summer. We're talking about the blockbusters. We talked last week about Steven Spielberg. Today, we're talking about a movie that sort of brings him and his friends together to make something that was so important to their past. But I'll just ask you guys up top here, you know, what's your relationship with Indiana Jones? You know, we talked about the dinosaur stuff. Did you want to be paleontologist? Did you want to be archaeologist because of this movie? Uh, I'll throw it over to Joe, who is dressed exactly like Indiana Jones normies <laughs> right now. You should know. Um... Yeah, man, I was I was an Indiana Jones kid. This was was my trilogy growing up. I will say up top, I like Indiana Jones more than I like Star Wars. I like Indiana Jones more than I like Han Solo. Uh, I was definitely wow. a an Egypt kid. I like I loved everything about this franchise. Like he was the end all be all of of heroes to me. So I am. So excited to talk all about the movies, the comic books, the video games. This one's pretty near and dear for me. I had no idea that you liked Indiana Jones. <laughs> I knew you were a big fan, but more than Star Wars. It's That's shocking. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, well, I'm going to hijack this, uh, this idol then. Uh, I grew up watching, you know, mostly, you know, Raiders and Temple of Doom. I, as a kid, I, I always liked Temple of Doom a lot, but... I never saw Last Crusade until getting ready for the show, and I, I do really like, uh, it's like the quintessential action franchise, so I got to watch Last Crusade, which I had never seen, um, so I'll be excited to talk about that, but I do enjoy, uh, you know, Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones, I think the fact that he got to be Han Solo and Jones is incredible, and he does a great job with both, <laughs> and these are really fun to uh, rewatch. so, yeah. Ooh, that's mind-blowing, yeah, Mike. Yeah, um, you know, I feel... Uh 
you know, similarly to Mike, um, I wouldn't say, you know, I'm not an Indiana Jones kid like Joe was, but I did, I watched, for some reason, I think maybe I only had the Raiders VHS when I was a kid, but I watched that one a lot as a kid, and I know I saw the other two, but I don't remember too much about them, or I didn't remember too much, only like specific moments or scenes that really were burned in my memory. But being able to rewatch these, I, re- I watched all four in the last uh, five days. So I'm ready to talk about it. Very excited to talk about it. Um, yeah. Love them. Colin, what about you? Boy, and I kind of want an answer to the question Joe said up top, too. Is Harrison more indie or is he more Han? I I, I like For Star me, Wars more, but come on. He is more Indiana Jones, right, Jacob? I like Han Solo better than Indiana Jones, but I was always a huge Star Wars kid growing up. So scruffy looking nerf herder. No wonder. (laughs) I think as a person, yeah, I think he fits in more to Han Solo. No, no, redacted. No, Indiana Jones when he's sick and doing the sword fight, he pulls out the gun. He's just over it. That is Harrison Ford to me. He's great in that moment too. I just like Han Solo better. That moment is true. Like, there was supposed to be a big choreographed fight, and Harrison Ford was like, I don't want to do that. I think he would just pull out his gun and shoot him. Uh, yeah, we should <laughs> say no, it, it is because him. everybody uh, filming on that crew was getting diarrhea except Steven Spielberg. But uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, you know Star Wars is a sum of its parts, right? Han Solo fits into the equation, he's not in the entire equation. This fucking series is called Indiana Jones, guys. I mean, I know it didn't start that way, but to me, he is Indiana Jones. I love these. I didn't have them all as a kid. I didn't watch them obsessively, but it seems like every period of my life, if I'm in high school, if I'm going off to college, it's like copies of these things would just manifest. I'd be like, oh, I guess I do have all the VHS copies. Oh, when did I get the DVDs? I have the Blu-rays of Indiana Jones? I mean, it's just one of those things you own. Yeah, at one point I had the laser disc for Raiders hanging up on the wall, along with the laser, laser disc for Wrath of Khan and uh, Whoa! and Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> oh, normies, but, yeah. don't get rid of that. I love that laser disc. That belongs in a museum. <laughs> belongs in a museum. That's right. They certainly do. But, yeah, it's Indiana Jones, like you said uh, earlier, Colin. We talked kind of Spielberg and the summer blockbusters, and now it's like uh, another franchise that is a little bit. Uh, it's a little bit sturdier when it comes to being ruined by sequels. I mean, there's definitely some sequels that dip here and there, but overall as a franchise, it definitely holds up stronger than Jaws does. Oh, um, for yes. This combine was, all of its pieces I together. was thinking so much about our last episode, Mike, as I was watching these. Just thinking, you know, and Normies, we've mentioned this guy, George Lucas, a couple times. We've got some episodes of Star Wars, this thing he did. If you want to go back and check that out, it was this thing in the 70s. It was huge. I don't know if you know about it. But we talked Jaws last week, too, in our Summer of Fun. And just looking at that, thinking, that's a movie that, like Jacob said, that I agree with, is perfect, but it feels old. It feels ah, a little more behind the times. Watching Indiana Jones now, something that is intentionally old, something that was like, well, let's try to capture that fun of the old times. Let's, you know, let's make a serial. Let's make it big and outlandish and bombastic. To me, it just fucking holds up so much more now. Is it because we've infantilized? Are we kids? Is this the ultimate summer blockbuster? Because it's reminded me so much of a Marvel movie. I don't know, but I am excited, Normies. And I think even with the sequels, you know, you talk about obviously the the Jaws sequels are all pretty bad. Um, I think 
you know, and we'll get to it, but even the fourth one, which wasn't very well received when it came out, we might have some hot takes on here. Um, a couple of, of us might think that it's better than people think it is. So obviously That's we'll right, get to Norman's. that, but excited to talk about it. All right, then I say we crack that yeah. whip. Let's go ahead. Let's dissolve to a, a picture of a Paramount Mountain and start our movie adventure. Let's talk about the Indiana Jones series and get some niche to Normie, baby. We're back. We very narrowly avoided that boulder. I'm catching my breath here. Uh, Joe, you went back for your hat. I think that was a great idea. You're looking fucking stylish as hell. But let's first talk about (laughs) all of our favorite films here. The Indiana Jones series. Um, What did you do for it, guys? What, What did you watch? Obviously, four incredible films. Not as easy in that they're not all on HBO Max like Jaws, but we sort of tracked them down. I watched all four. How about you guys? Yeah, I watched all four uh, in the past week, last five days, basically. They were all on Netflix, so yeah, I was able to watch all four. Joe, how about you? Yeah, I watched all four, but that's like not even necessarily research. That's something I do at least a couple times a year anyway. Um, my first niece was born in December. I've been showing her one by one every time I get a chance to see her. So, um, I watched all of them, but I watched them out of order this time. I watched them in chronological order. So I did Temple, Uh, Raiders, Last Crusade. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I did it backwards. I started with Skull and went up, uh, to number one. And obviously (laughs) that is my power ranking. (laughs) Obviously, number four is the best. No, I the inverse it. power curve. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I watched well, them in release that, order. Yeah. Do you guys? I watched release order as well. Do you guys have um, a ranking? Do you kind of want to rank these four before we dive in on uh, Raiders? Yeah, I'll yeah. I'll kick it off. Um, basically, obviously, as the biggest Indiana Jones fan here. No, just kidding, it's Joe. But <laughs> don't uh, dare. Start it. No, start my. It. Um, like I said, I was, I was, uh, excited to watch two and three, especially because I remembered the least about them. And my memory had it that I didn't like three that much, but I liked two more, which was actually the exact opposite. I was disappointed by two pleasantly surprised by three. Um, and my hot takes would be, um, I think Raiders is the best movie um, but I think I might have had the most fun watching Last Crusade. That was just a blast. I, I may have just been in a good mood when I was watching it, but I just loved that. It was so so funny, so fun. I um, like that, Jacob. Raiders is so long in hindsight. It's a masterpiece, obviously, but it is a – to say that it's the last great adventure, it is a adventure to watch in my opinion. I'm a Crusade boy. That's my favorite one and done. Yeah. I think I would go, yeah, one and three are both very good. And my other hot take, I like four a lot as well. And I think it, I think I would, my personal ranking would, would probably go one, three, four, two. And I'll put Temple oh, in last. A take so hot it's boiling. How about you guys? <laughs> uh, it's lava. Uh, yeah, now that we've heard from uh, Senior, what do, you, what do you got, Junior? Um, junior? Yeah, I, look, Raiders of the Lost Ark is my favorite movie ever made. Um I think uh, I'm going to take what Jacob said about Jaws. It is the best version of an action-adventure movie. 
sticks you in a universe you're supposed to know already. I love it. Um, I would say in terms of my favorites, they are in release order. So Raiders, Temple, Last Crusade, um, and then uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. But in terms of the best, I would say Last Crusade is obviously a superior film to Temple of Doom, but I just have such nostalgia for watching Temple of Doom as a kid and being like, blown away and a little bit scared but like the right amount of scared uh i think it really turned me on to like a love of horror and action adventure so it's kind of responsible for a lot oh it's in that movie for sure yeah yeah it's also um, responsible I, I th- for uh the pg-13 rating it it did not exist before temple of doom and um gremlins so like piece of history that this movie what the fuck are we showing these kids hold on that nazi's face just melted yeah let's take this back a second but temple of doom's got the hearts being ripped out it's very mortal Kombat in that but it is like in a weird way the most family of them with short round right but then it has like the most horror as well it's 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 in a weird place tonally that's for sure weird mix of Um, like over the top comedy in the first half and then like yeah like the very dark horror yeah, and then um, you have I'll to get go. To yeah. I, I hope Indy like saves these child <laughs> slaves. <laughs> yeah, that's not a. But big I have some hot takes it. about yeah, that right. um, that I'll get to. So stay tuned for that. Yeah, yeah. But as a kid, I identified kind of with that. But my rankings, to be quick, are um, I think yeah, Last Crusade is the best. I, I had so much fun with it. So Last wow. Crusade, then Raiders, uh, and then I would probably go with National Treasure. Oh, and then Temple of Doom, and then the Mummy, and then. <laughs> Mike, is it recency bias since you just saw Last Crusade for the first time? It's at your top. That's incredible to me. I like Raiders and I've seen it a lot and we'll get into the details, but I just think like the pacing of Last Crusade and like there's so many great action set piece after great action set piece, a lot like Raiders. I just, I really enjoy the opening with Rivers Phoenix and the dynamic with Sean Connery and Indy. (laughs) You like like seeing uh, Indiana Jones instead of going up against Nazis, going up against like a circus crew of bad guys in that (laughs) River Phoenix opening where you're just like, who are these people? Panama hat guy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I like it. Yeah. It belongs in a museum. I have to agree with you, Mark. I I think it's good. I think Last Crusade is very close to Raiders for me. Those are easy for me. I feel like people really came along on it. All right, well, let's jump. Yeah. Let's talk about the first one here. Let's talk about Raiders, but I am excited for The Last Crusade Love. So, like I said, I mean, that opening shot, guys, that fade into the mountain, Paramount, they went and scouted that shot. We'll give a little background real quick. I mean, this is Normies. You don't know about Indiana Jones? You're dumb. You just woke up, and this is the first thing you turned on was our podcast. That's incredible. Thank you. But uh, (laughs) I would watch one of these films first because you're going to love it. Raiders of the Lost Ark is this incredible combination. So we talked about this guy last week where we said he's making Jaws. He's the biggest, youngest filmmaker of all time at 27. Well, after that, he goes on to make Close Encounters. He gets his prestige picture out. He takes a vacation with George Lucas. They go to Hawaii. He says to George, I want to make a James Bond movie next. I want to do something fun. I want to do something exciting. George says, a James Bond movie? How many rules you would have to follow to do a James Bond movie? I got a billion dollar idea that's much better than that. Let's do this guy called Indiana Jones. And, I mean, it's just a bit. Lawrence Kasdan gets in, a screenwriter that they worked with. He did Empire Strikes Back, Star Wars, all that good stuff. Um we just get it. We get we get it, guys. We get this first movie. Thoughts, feelings, just on that power team of those three. Well, before I throw it to the experts here, I just want to say doing my research, it was cool to find out about like the Doc Savage like comics of like 
this adventurer guy going to these crazy uh, cultures and getting artifacts. Like, that's where they base it off of the serials, similar to Star Wars being Flash Gordon. So, like, that really reads when I watch, especially Raiders. Like, this is coming from a serialized kind of pulp book, and I, I think that's one of the strengths of it. Absolutely. Mikey, I you agree. want the other weird influence? Uh, Doc Savage, be on the lookout, because supposedly we're going to get a rock-starring movie where he is Doc Savage, because he loves all that old shit, It's too. just Jumanji. It's just Jumanji again. He loves that. Um, yeah. Even weirder, the roundup. George Lucas loved that pulp stuff. It wasn't just Doc Savage. You know what the other biggest comic book influence for Indiana Jones is, Mike? I have no idea. Oh, you do, because it's a little cartoon we were all obsessed with in the 80s growing up. It's called DuckTales. So the original comic book of DuckTales yeah, was Uncle by Scrooge, this guy yeah. called... Well, yeah, exactly. It was by this guy called Carl Barks and um, Don Roscoe. I- I'm forgetting his name right now. But they're these incredible old comic book artists who would do these pulp serialized magazines. And guys, to say that DuckTales was popular for people above us, for our parents' generation and stuff growing up as comic books. Like, I understand we had our cool little cartoon series. Uncle Scrooge is going on adventures. No, no, no. We're doing more than that. We're doing crazy comic books where they're just like uncle scrooge is in a cavern he's got a torch a giant ball is chasing him that's where we get the setup for raiders george lucas read that in a comic book and goes oh my god these are exciting these are pulp these are interesting uh and it's just yeah again to think that that's the world that it comes from this family friendly fun little thing i don't know if you guys know in europe they don't advertise mickey mouse and stuff like in germany Donald Duck is a standalone character with Duckburg and all this other stuff. Like, European countries, Great they character. love Donald Duck. They, they love Uncle Scrooge. <laughs> and he goes on these adventures, just like Indy. So very weird. When my brother it. was uh, in school, he took a trip to Italy with his girlfriend's family at the time and uh, brought back an Italian printing of old DuckTales comics for me. So that's like a collection they have. That's awesome. That's incredible. Yeah. What do you think about Raiders, Indy? It's your first big adventure. Yeah. Raiders sets the president like how every great movie should open with a random adventure. Um, And that is like something I think every great movie should do. When people talk about Die Hard as like, oh, everyone should watch Die Hard to learn how to write a screenplay and story structure. For me, that's Raiders. Like I think – you, you know mm-hmm. everything you need to know about Indiana Jones in the first five minutes of the movie, and he barely says a word. Um, and it's like in Medius Rex, right? In the middle of things, he's doing some cool shit, and then you get a beat to breathe and then set up your story from there. But you've introduced the character through their actions and kind of things. I think you're absolutely right with that. Exactly. Right. And Alfred Molino, I mean, that was like his first his or second screen debut role or yeah. what well, it was a screen debut. Uh, yeah. And like Doc all the spiders Spider-Man. on his back were real spiders. So that guy is like always hated spiders. Uh, yeah. Who knew that the, the Spider-Man would be in a movie called Spider-Man too, <laughs> yeah. later, which we might get into next month. Which, so yeah. we'll be talking more Molina, I'm sure. Speaking of the spiders, that would be my snakes of what, you know, Indiana Jones, obviously afraid yeah. of snakes, fine with giant tarantulas on him. I'm the exact opposite way. I got no problem with snakes. I had pet snakes growing up. I am terrified by sni- spiders. I have arachnophobia. So I'm the opposite of Indiana Jones. Another man versus animal movie, shouting back to Jaws. I, I wanted to mention, as you, you know, an Indiana Jones film needs, first, to fade into a mountain. Second, it always needs, like, a low-level mob. So you have, like, 
rats, bats, ants, and asps. Every movie's got a low-level mob right. that's just a shitload of animals, and every you, you always need them. And I like that they carried that trope. You know? Well, and I was thinking about it too because in our last episode we talked about the hero having a fear and then having to face that fear. You have that in Indiana Jones in Raiders, where you have that moment with the snake pit when they were making that. They started with a thousand snakes. And that wasn't good enough. By the time they kept like adding and pouring on snakes, there were 9,000 snakes on set. Oh, my God. Um, oh, no. Like, that's insane. <laughs> yeah, that is wild. And like to do it practically, too. I mean, that's a big thing. I think as we get to, you know, the, the last movie, it loses. But just, yeah, bringing in 9,000 snakes. Yeah. Who is doing that? It, it's absolutely mad. kind of makes me wonder about the uh, animal safety on that set. But, you know, that was a different era. So... <laughs> Hopefully, did well, they light them on fire? Hopefully not. Uh, I guarantee John <laughs> Reese Davies was just safety. stepping on their heads. <laughs> they had um, yeah. What's with the animal safety, Joe? The the cobra scene, right, where he like looks up and the cobra mm-hmm. is right there. The way they did that is is real. I mean, they didn't like superimpose two images together. There's just a thin plate of glass between the two of them, um, right. and then like oh, the wow. cobra was getting so agitated and stuff that like he actually was like spitting venom at. Harrison Ford. Um, there's a, a bunch of really great behind the scenes footage stuff for Raiders too. Like we talk about the adventure of making a movie. You can find so many great behind the scenes footage for all of the Indiana Jones. Now, wow. special effects question. I mean, Cause I asked you guys ahead. last week, how did Bruce hold up? How was he looking or whatever? I was keeping a special look on Raiders this time too. Cause Joe, so many people talk about that plate of glass. You can see the reflection of the snake. It doesn't bug me. I want to know, how does that hold up for you guys? And then that final special effect, obviously the Ark of the Covenant and the face melting again, you know, all of that. Now, so many people talked about it when it happened, that if it happened now, it would be a CG effect. None of those snakes would be there, and it fucking wouldn't be impactful. Yeah, I agree with you, Colin. Um, I think the the um, talking about the ending scene, the practical of the face melting and all that that looks great. I think that mm-hmm. still really holds up. What didn't hold up for me as well was the kind of ghosts going around. <laughs> the, and don't look, Marion. Very close. that didn't hold up as well. But the the guys, the face melting was just awesome. I mean, that's an all-time great practical effect right there, I think. Yeah, it's I mean, like I one think of the best you... crazy face deaths besides Roger Rabbit. Well, Roger Rabbit's number two in crazy face deaths yeah, anyway. For and sure. then we get another one in Last um, Crusade of, of the guy aging really quickly. Which hey, let's just, let's just keep melting it's people. Great, yeah. <laughs> if you yeah. tried to make Indiana Jones today... It, it wouldn't be as memorable because it wouldn't have like two core things. A young Harrison Ford who is carrying the action on his back, literally like tore his fucking ACL making this first one. Ooh. Like he did so much for these movies in terms of physicality that like you, you just, you know when it's real and when it's not, right? Like the effects we're talking about, the moments we're talking about, if they were in a Guardians of the Galaxy movie, you don't think twice about it anymore. It doesn't feel as special as it does when you see Harrison Ford, like putting it all on the line, like he does for sure. Yeah. And how many times have we seen this stuff parodied down, down, down from the, the boulder chase? I mean, crash bandicoot did that. Go back and listen to that episode. I mean, you see it in all kinds of cars and I guess he was copying ducktails. So shout outs to the, the ducktails, but you know what I mean? So many tropes, um, even like a snake pit like that. It's just, 
that's Indiana Jones, man. And uh, to do it for real really adds to the impact. I've never seen a man get torn up by a propeller in a fist fight before that. Oh, yeah, that's incredible. And that's one of the things that stuck with me as a kid. One of the most memorable things from this movie for me, from watching as a young kid, was the scene, the scene with the plane, the big Nazi coming out, taking his shirt off, you know, we're getting ready to fight. That's such a classic um, fight scene. You know, it just blows my mind how good it is. Jacob, I watched an interview. And they have a guy get chopped up in a propeller. Yeah, I watched an interview, Jacob, with J.J. Abrams doing a sit-down with Steven Spielberg where he says, I got to ask about that fight scene. It's so iconic. I brought it up to you guys off pod, Mike, where I said to these two literally before we recorded, we got together the other day, and I said, "What is there like – I've asked Joe this before. Jacob, is there an iconic scene in Raiders that just sticks out to you? Oh, that plain fight scene. And just go, bam. Of course. I mean, it's one of the best fight scenes in cinema history. So J.J. Abrams sits down with Steven Spielberg and says, how did you pull that off? It's so incredible. He goes, oh, actually, do you want to hear a secret? We came up with that on the day. It wasn't scripted. You know, we just blocked it out. We had extra time. You know, I just thought we needed another action scene. And when you think, because let me lay this out real quick, listeners. Economy of shooting. Because, you know, as a script goes, all scripts do the same thing. There's a beginning, there's a middle, there's an end, things escalate, and then they decline and they get resolved, right? What makes Indiana Jones is amazing, and that fight scene in particular, is that every fight scene in the Indiana Jones series goes through that same same story progression. You get a start, you get a middle, you get a finish. Indy's beating somebody else up on the plane, the big German guy comes, we take a beat, they fight, it gets resolved, and it progresses the action in a really cool way and moves the story it's like what other fucking series does that yeah and i also think it's really important to indy's character that he's not just like a cool guy but also just how disgruntled he is by everything like you know he's on the plane he has to fight the one guy and then he looks and he sees the big guy and he's just like uh he gives him like the weight sign to get down off the plane fights dirty just like Just his attitude and everything is is part of what makes his character so great for me as well. Yeah, I mean, that really hits the nail on the head for me of what makes Indiana Jones so special. And to me, it's the same thing that makes Spider-Man so special. He's a a hero that you don't think is going to win every fight. Every time you watch Indiana Jones fight, you think, well, how the hell is he going to get out of this one? But it's it's that tenacity, that resilience, that like quick wit that always ends up getting through. And like the fact that like he never stays down even when he should. Right. Oh yeah. And I think another way they structure like his um, escapes and stuff, like look at, um, you know, climbing out of the hole and it's like two steps forward, one step back. So it's like, okay, he's in a hole. Now he's got a, a branch, but now the branch slips. So it's like, he's almost getting it. And then he slides back a little bit and he has to keep clawing back against this adversity and uh, that is definitely a huge staple um, of the character. And Raiders, again, it just solidifies it. That's why on any given day I could flip it as my favorite or second favorite because it's just so ingrained in, in that identity of that kind of everyman. Yeah. I also think that this movie starts the trope of um, basically every movie, Indy getting the artifact and then immediately having it taken by his antagonist. Like that just <laughs> happens to him every time. It's like Do you guys- it's the idol in the beginning. Belloc Do you like Rene Belloc? Is he an interesting villain? Watching it this time, it was kind of the first time I was ever really like, wow, he stands out. You have a very full developed character in Indiana Jones, but to have his arrival be, 
eh, kind of a smarmier, higher class guy who I don't work with the Nazis. I'm just using them. And, you know, I'll right. do oh, silly Jewish rituals and all that stuff. They look down on it. But fuck, I believe in this and I will prove that it's real. I was kind of fucking digging him the entire time. I mean, I really think what's great about him, too, is it's it's a perfect foil, right? Because it's an Indiana Jones who doesn't get his hands dirty. He he has everyone else do everything for him. Right. He just hires and then you, have, uh. you know, he's like a schmarmy British guy who has everything handed to him on a plate. And then you have the crafty American who's going to come in and, and do it all on a wing and a prayer. If yeah, the Watutsis and I like him as well. knew you as much as I do, Belloc, they wouldn't give you the... <laughs> what? Indy? Indy, you're falling asleep. Or did you crash your plane again, Harrison? I also like right. how, um, you know, it gives it a more, more complexity to the movie, where he's not just fighting against Nazis. There's also this other guy who's working with the Nazis, but he's not really connected to him. He's got his own motivations. I like the complexity of having multiple antagonists. You get the weird Nazi guy who burns his hand with the medallion. You get the other Nazis. You get Belloc. And then even in the in the further movies, there's multiple um, antagonists for, for Indy as well. So I like that a lot. Uh, my hot take is I don't remember the name of any antagonists in any of the what? movies. It's just the Nazis, the Nazis... Kalima and the Russians. Um, <laughs> but I, I like seeing Indiana Jones in crazy situations, so at least I get that. But yeah, I've never been too impressed by his foils, but I do like the idea that like, if I wanted something, I would just follow Indiana Jones because I know he's going to get it. And then I'll just get a bunch of guns and stand outside the door and wait for him to come out. Well, you right, got to be exactly. careful, though, because when he does, he's going he's gonna to get that back in like the craziest way. And you'll end up yeah, in a, he will a get crotch it back in a He's going to have an hard chase, likely. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. One other thing I wanted to talk about <laughs> that I think makes this movie, puts it a little over the edge for all the other ones, is the character of Marion Ravenwood, the best yes. love interest of any of the movies. Best yes, girl. Best girl. Um, she's great. And she's a she's a great foil to Indy, unlike some of the other ones. Um, I think she's a, almost his equal in terms of, you know, fighting spirit and that kind of thing. So I like her characterization a lot. Well, and right, I love that I'll we meet her that. as the one who got away already. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like he meets her and falls in love with her and it's this perfect thing through the movie. There's already an established history and, like, the universe building here is you're stepping into it already. Ah, uh, Joe, you want to talk... And there's friction with Indy, too. You want to talk established history? Here's how good John Williams is. In the opening scene where Indy is just giving the... Or he's getting the the spiel from the other guy who teams up with him in, in Last Crusade. I used to be an adventurer myself. Oh, which I fucking love that guy. We'll talk about him in a minute. Um, and he's... Well, you'll have to go to Doctor's Ravenswood to get the other piece. Oh, you mean I'd have to see Marion again? Marion's theme, before we meet her, comes in for just a moment recedes back into the right. background of the music. You're just like, Jesus Christ, every person making this property is firing at 100%. This is a, a soundtrack I listen to often as well. Like, I'll be honest, like, you don't put on Jaws in the background to, like, hang out. Like, Indiana Jones, I have that entire album, and I listen to it all the time. I did notice watching this that um, I did like Marion's theme, Sounds suspiciously familiar to Leia's theme from uh, but, 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 the Star but, 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 Wars movies. <laughs> uh, John Williams, it's a quiet, quiet. He's just like, no, no, no. I, I, I make a lot of different music, <laughs> but I do like it. Yeah, and the I Nazis do like mar- it. March to the Imperial March too. Yeah, like, it's, for real. Exactly. Yeah, it's very similar. I was catching those yeah. vibes, and and I think Han, Han Solo looks kind of like Indiana Jones too. So <laughs> I don't know. They might have been the same guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Oh, man. But yeah, Raiders has been uh, it was a really fun ride again. I love um, why it had to be snakes. We like a good punching of Nazis on the show. We get to see plenty of that. So, oh, yes. you know, it's great. It's a great love film. It. I would love to know, though, what was he doing before Raiders? What was Indy's adventures before Raiders? Well, I want to know where how he got that whip when he was a kid, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Anything goes. So let's discuss. I just want to know, on your first viewing, um, you had seen Temple before, Mike, so it's everybody's first viewing. Did yeah. you know when you were kids this was a prequel? Did you understand that? When was that explained to you? This time. It's not super um, spelled out. Yeah, it's not super <laughs> spelled time. out or anything. I didn't know it was a prequel until I watched it this time and I saw the title card saying like 1939 or whatever. I was like, oh. Wow, Really? Okay. 1928, I think, because the the original is 19 Raiders is 1936. This one I think is 1928. Then Last Crusade is 38, and then you know Crystal Skulls jumps to like the 50s. But I think they had to do it this way, obviously, because the because Raiders ends with him and Marion together. So unless they wanted to do like a sad breakup thing, they had to set it before that, right? Well, and I think this sets up the the beauty of the franchise is that. Indiana Jones movies are adventures with Indiana Jones. It doesn't matter when, it doesn't matter what, you're going to be able to jump in at any point and enjoy an adventure with Indiana Jones. Mm -hmm. And that's why I never understood the the point in time, because it didn't matter. It's just another Indiana Jones adventure, and that's, that's all I wanted to see. Um, I like it for historical context, Nazis. right? Because in the only thing. Yeah, you know, in the 30s, he's fighting Nazis. In the 50s, he's fighting Russians. So <laughs> makes sense. Um, but yeah, Temple of Doom. Um, should I go on with my hot take about what I did not like about Temple of Doom? I might agree with you. Oh I haven't God. heard your takes. I, I specifically said, don't talk to me. But let's get this <laughs> yes. out of the way so that yes. we can talk about the good stuff. Is it cutting yeah. that rope bridge so, at the end and then them all falling? <laughs> Well, no, they, no, I didn't they do that, that in Dark Souls 3, so I like that part. Oh, okay. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah, that does happen, Mike. <laughs> yeah. My biggest problem with it, this was my least favorite upon rewatching. Um, there was some good stuff about it. I mean, it's not terrible, but I, th- I think the biggest problem I had with it was actually the pacing. I thought it was very strangely paced. The first half has a ton of very over-the-top comedic scenes that kind of go on forever. Um and then the second half, which is the part I liked better, is the big action set piece. I also thought some of the plot lines were very strange, like Indy getting, you know, possessed or whatever, and then being saved by a short round, like waving a torch on him for a second. Very confused by What's that. What's that the fire burns him? Mm-hmm. Okay. But I like the, the other voodoo. problem. The- <laughs> Yeah, I like the voodoo. All that stuff very cool. The other major problem I have with it, I'm sorry to say, it's Willie Scott, most annoying Willie. character probably in the whole series. Ah, um, shut just up, a useless, Willie. horrible character. I'm sorry, shut Kate up, Capshaw. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but the Lady, downgrade from Marion to, to <laughs> yeah, the downgrade from Marion to, to Willie Scott is is pretty bad. Short round, I love short round. Actually, I. I didn't think I used to like him when I was a kid, but he's actually awesome. He saves them like multiple times. He's very really competent. not so much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, my problems are a little bit more with just twenty twenty vision. I wonder if like 
the banquet scene specifically. Like here we are in India and they're eating worms and stuff. Like oh, is for that sure. culturally insensitive Chilled now? Monkey where it, yeah. brains. I, I don't think that aged well. Yeah, at all. like dessert. Ooh, monkey. You know that's that doesn't right. age too well. But you know if you're looking at it from what it was based on a cereal, which is a mystery. Like I get what it was coming from, but I definitely don't think it ages up. Whereas the other movies definitely age up because hating Nazis is timeless. You know exactly. Agreed with that because I mean. Yeah, the whole like savages and stuff like it's a little you know. But if we not just so well, received. yeah. But I can look at the the whole heart ripping stuff is just this is a, a cult like this is just a group of crazy people. This doesn't represent a culture, right? But that right. dinner dinner because even was the a boy weird. king he was possessed, right? So even the boy king is yeah. actually controlled. Good, yeah, good guy. But that's my yeah. my asterisk to get out of the way. Yeah. Now, Jacob, I had a girlfriend to your point who would say, well. You know, this is the only one I do like because Willie's a character that we can relate to. Females can relate to. I find that a little curious because I agree with you. Karen Allen is so interesting and so strong in that first one. But they give Willie so much time. We should say uh, married to Steven Spielberg at the time. Um, but still married. Right. You know, God God bless. So that is sort of how she came about. But, uh, yeah, not yeah, my favorite. Yeah, I just think... I. Nothing against the actress, Kate Capshaw. I'm sure, you know, she's great in other things. I think it's just the way the character is written. Because Marion has so much agency by herself. She gets, she even escapes, you know, or attempts to escape by herself. Willie is just screaming and useless, like, the whole time. She's just this typical, you know, femme fatale who, first first half of the movie, she just no, complains she's not the femme fatale. She's just the damsel or, in distress. Damsel in distress. That's what I meant. Yeah. But, um, the doll. yeah, the first half, she's just complaining about the jungle constantly, um, and then the second half, she's just kind of useless. So she's just greedy. That's a trait yeah. I like. Yeah, she's a she's a female archetype they didn't have in Raiders. So she feels like that damsel in distress beat that was in all of these serials. You you would see it often that you didn't have in Raiders. This is like the most serial right. of them, I guess. Maybe can we absolutely? Say? Yeah, yeah. But also, and like, the other thing is just the contrived way they come together it's like oh she started following him in the beginning so now she's just with him for the rest of the movie really has no yeah. importance to the plot well, he was wearing that tux party he was looking fine. pretty good um at club obi-wan yeah club but obi-wan that's that? right you catch that one so let's oh, say yeah. i said up top um that obviously this was his chance to make a james bond film by this second one he is embracing that we get the cold open where he is sitting in the white tuxedo, the the goldfinger mm-hmm. tuxedo with the red carnation on the corner. Fucking, I don't know, guys. Here he is. Like, this is our American James Bond. He looks, uh, Harrison Ford looks fucking killer in that scene. It's awesome to see him go up against, like, shady parties and start out on a cool adventure. He has no cue. He has no backup. He's got short round, like Jacob said, and he is fun and interesting in this. And the only thing that the time dilation of when this set is, is it makes me watch the other movies and go, well, where's Short Round? Like, I wish he was still on these adventures, or I hope he's okay, or I hope he's growing up, or (laughs) Indy's got him in school or something. I wish he would have come back in Crystal Skull instead of uh, Mutt. You know, Mike, that's the take that I will be following you with for that Uh, film. I don't dislike how they didn't do it. Yeah. I do yeah. want to say, yeah, short round, I was surprised by how much I liked him because normally I'm not into, like, kid sidekick characters at all. But short round just has, he's so, you know, has his own agency. Like I said, he saves Indy, he saves them both multiple times. Like, the whole I mean, plot hinges on them. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, he's, he's, he's great. just as active. Um, yeah. Like, there's a great moment where they he gives him a wink after he wakes him up from the, the dark sleep. And then, like, they turn around yep, and he yep. swan kicks someone while Indy's punching someone. I mean, like, that. that's why Temple of Doom is my second favorite. Because it really is, like, you know, when I think Indiana Jones, like, one of the shots that is most iconic to me is the, the big slave driver you know, going across the dirt and then the pan up to see Andy, uh, Indy who had just hit him. Like that moment is just ingrained in me forever. Mm-hmm. That is a classic. And I do again, love how much short rounds coming to help out. Like when he finds the mechanism, when the walls are closing temple of doom, a lot more traps, a lot more involved things during the adventures Raiders. It's a lot of let's go to this area. Let's dig this up. Let's see what's inside. Do you guys like that part of Temple of Doom? I like that a lot. I would die in 10 seconds. I would be crushed to death. I would be, have parts of me ripped. To be, I would be a slave, well, you know, two, digging up for Kalima. <laughs> two of the major action set pieces there are pulled from the original Raider script that they just needed to, like, oh, make yes. room for. The, That's um, super cool. The, I did not know that. Yeah, the river rafting scene and the mine cart. I didn't know and that. And also, Joe, also, Joe, the opening with the gong was an idea that they also had for Raiders that got put in a temple. So all wow. three of those. That's yeah. cool. That makes okay, sense. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do like the, that part of it. The thing I don't like about temples also is that the plot is a lot is a lot more simple than the other two from the original trilogy. They go less places. It's kind of just like he's in Shanghai in the beginning. He goes to that Indian village, and then from there he goes to the temple, and then he's there for the rest of the movie. If you compare that to the other two, they're going places, they're doing you know, detective work and stuff. It just seems a lot more straightforward in this one. It's a little less globetrotting for sure, but it, like, it feels like a and d adventure to me where it's like there's a story hook, like, oh, there's this crazy dungeon over here you got to go figure out, and he's got his little party um, yeah. with Billy in th- short round, and they go solve it. But it's self-contained like in a way Mike. that is unique and nice, yeah. I think Jacob, once you, it once, yeah, sorry, once they go into the dungeon, kind of, I think that's where it picks up for me. It's just all the lead up to that is not that good. Well, you said it's like the other two. I would point out it's like the other third one. It's actually a lot more like Kingdom of the Crystal Skull because it's a lot of like we got to get the skull, we got to do this thing, we got to get the Norn Stone. Is that what it is to bring the water back to the village or whatever? It's it, it very similar, right. and maybe that's where the faults start. I mean, it's a, it's an adventure of happenstance, right? Like it's one that they, he stumbles into. To me, this is the Mm -hmm. most like, this is an average week in Indiana Jones's life. Like it's not Raiders or Last Crusade or Kingdom of the Crystal Skull where there's a big mission behind it. This is literally like, oh, I was trying to score this one thing and I ended up in this other thing. And that's the time I went to India. In every other movie, there's a point where he's like teaching in the school and like a professor comes and tells him, we got to get this thing. In this one, he's just in Shanghai. Then he crashes in India and he's just in India for the rest of the movie. Yeah, it's definitely there's no like world ending stakes. The Nazis aren't going to take over if he fails. It's just like I got to solve the problem for this village. Right. Which is kind of cool. I also like that in this one, instead of running away from a large rolling rock. He's being pulled towards a stationary rolling rock. See how they flipped yeah. it when he's about to get crushed in that, that uh, steamroller? Oh, true. Yeah, yeah. I catch these kind of things. It's the little details that really get me. Very clever. Man. Uh, also, I don't know if voodoo is, is from uh, India. I don't think it is. But I, no, did, like, I, think I <laughs> did like that scene. Like when I was a kid, well, and the, he's stabbing the doll. He Some artistic it. liberties there, for sure. Right, yeah, right. And you're it's, saying it's, I can't uh, pull your heart out of your chest, Mike? 
<laughs> yeah, no, 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 Kali Ma. But I, I like, as a kid, that really worked for me. Like, Harrison Ford is selling it, that he's in agony and he's going to lose the fight. It's harrowing. Short round saves the day. He really Short gets his ass kicked in that movie, yeah. Yeah. When I you got to think, this is like poltergeist times, too, right? So, like, there's more of a step into horror. Um, and that's, like, why I think you see this. Like, originally, like, the idea for Last Crusade was going to be, like, a spooky haunted castle in, like, Transylvania or something like that. And then they ended up switching that all around. Well, you guys know I love a good minecart level in video games, and I love the minecart sequence here. There's some awesome compositing when they, like, flip the other cart off the rails and it crashes through that miniature of the bridge. Like, there's some really cool special effects in this, too, that are as a staple of the, the franchise for me. I like that, and even the rope bridge fight at the end I thought was good. Um, there's some questionable like effects that I noticed of like the people standing on the cliff and stuff not working out super or aging super well, but I think it works. And then the cuts to the crocodiles, I think I think that's really cool. A lot of rear projection, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, there's footage from like um, three different continents in the same scene there, like all composited together. Yeah. So crazy. I will say that um, as I was doing research for these movies, I read that George Lucas said, um, in retrospect, it is his least favorite. And he said about the kind of dark and almost the mean spiritedness of the movie that he was also going through a divorce at the time, um, and he was kind of in a bad place. So I think that also kind of reflected into the tone of the whole movie. And to this day, he doesn't like it that much. So I think that's kind of interesting. That makes sense. His wife, a very famous editor who uh, did all of his films up until that point and was going to do that one as well and uh, left. It's so interesting that the Kate Capshaw, it like gets ramped up with Spielberg. He's like, your wife's gone. My wife's here, baby. Let's get her slotted right in there. So, ooh, uh, bad equation. And also to differentiate from Marion Ravenwood, um, Kate Capshaw is naturally brunette, but she dyed her hair blonde for the role. There you go. Interesting, fun fact for you. That was very fun. Yeah. Thank you. And I mean, like, you have the, uh, you know, she, the first time you meet Marion, she's drinking in a bar. The first time you meet Willie, she's on stage in a priceless mm, gown. Glamorous. Yeah, and it's like right. a bar and in the middle gown, of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like totally different. And then that gown got eaten by an elephant on set. Whoa, oh, wow. really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They had to put down on the insurance form that. An elephant ate the dress. Yeah, it happened to a couple of my college papers. An elephant ate them, too. Mm-hmm. They didn't go over as well, I think. <laughs> yeah, another scene that didn't work well for me in the beginning was the um, scene where in the jungle, and she just keeps running into different animals, and just goes on a little too long. These over-the-top humor, sometimes they work for me, sometimes they don't. Um, but overall, my least favorite, but I still think it's a good movie. Now, do you think it's bad yeah. because there's no Sala, there's no Jonathan Reese davies there to uh, no be the Sala, cut up? No... Or... Yeah. There's, if you notice, a lot of Last Crusade goes back to what worked in Raiders, right? You get Sala, bring the Nazis you get out, Marcus bring Brody, out. you get the Nazis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this one is very, I think Nothing this one's but the, the most different. Yeah. And I think the, the negative reaction at the time when it was released or the mixed reception led them to bring a lot of elements from Raiders back for Last Crusade. Now, Makes let's jump sense. to it. Let's do Last Crusade, because I got a question here. Mm-hmm. Mike, our Game of Thrones boy, you're saying you didn't like any of these villains. 
The villain didn't stand out to you. Did, did you recognize him from Star Wars and Game of Thrones from Last Crusade? I I didn't recognize his face. You got to throw it to me, man. He's what Jacob. He's the he's the super old maester at uh, at um, at the the main place, the King's Landing. He's the one with the chains and the big long beard, and he's like the oldest, frailest guy, and he's like half oh, Grand blind almost. Oh, whoa! Yeah. Was that the Nazi that they? There was like that is the, the face melting Nazi at the general. End, yeah. The guy okay. who gets old, yeah, main right? bad guy. Okay, yeah, yeah. Oh wait, Very no, that's cool to, you're uh, talking about Donovan, the guy that hires Indy first, but then turns out to be bad. Is that who you're talking about? No, I'm talking about the Nazi. No. Okay, because the guy that gets old at the end is Donovan, who's the American uh, that hires Indy. Yeah. Oh, the main I Nazi gotcha. guy is the Game of Thrones. Oh guy, wait, yeah. no, I That's am talking about Donovan. I apologize. It is Donovan, and he also plays an Imperial officer in one of the Star Wars films as well. Oh, okay, okay. So they're all getting that work. Um, Master Pycelle. Yeah. Well, Maester we were talking Pycelle. a little bit about Marion, right? And then you know, playing the hits, bringing the Nazis back, and then how Billy contrasts, and then we have now another Elsa you know, Schneider. Yeah, who's like the double agent. So we're kind of doing that James Bond thing again, but she's like almost a triple agent, you know. Yeah, I don't like this because the series does There's it for the, the other rest archetypes. of it. Yeah. yeah, that's right. She is a femme fatale, Joe. You're absolutely right. I was um, going to say I do like it because that's a twist I didn't really, not remembering very much of this movie, that's a twist I didn't necessarily see coming. So I like that. Right. I think well, the I real mean, twist you know, the is that set. she slept with Sean Connery. <laughs> yeah, she slept Whoa. with the father Lucas and the didn't son. didn't want to do that. Great Running joke. Oh, that's right. She <laughs> talks in her sleep. What a good joke. But I, I, I like yeah. that because at first, you know, when they're hooking up in Venice and it's like, I don't like arrogant men and I don't like women who talk back or some shit. I'm like, this is a little, little weird. But the fact that it was yeah. all part of her plan makes it like, OK, this isn't just like a lady putting up with being demeaned. So that made that work a little bit better for me, too. What I like about her is she's basically a female belloc, right? She's as interested in the like historical significance as India is. She's not just, she's not a Nazi. She's working with the Nazis, just like Belloc was to get the, right. The cup, a true um, rival. She has her to own Indy. motivations. Yeah. I think well, she's, she's a like little Aus- more Nazi leaning than Belloc was. Right. But she's also using <laughs> them blonde hair for her own motivations. I mean, she is German or Austrian. So it makes, I should have seen she it coming. That she'd be a Nazi. Burning. Yeah. Yeah. And when but, he goes off on her for being a Nazi, it's like justified. Like, what, what do you expect? You're a freaking Nazi. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah, you tell her. Yeah. yeah. But I think the twist works really well, at least for me. I didn't see it coming necessarily. Yeah. Let's go back. Think. Let's go back to the start of how this film opens. Now, Joe, you said that Temple of Doom <laughs> is a day in the life, right? This is a day in the life of Indiana Jones. He goes on these adventures. He does those things. Now, is it also a day in the life to his villains the guy in the white who ages up that he like sees on the boat later and he's still trying to get the cross from, does he know Mr. that Panama that hat. is the kid, Mr. Panama hat? Does he know that that is the kid who he inspired to do all this stuff? Or is that Indiana Jones yes. being yeah, like, he does. He 20 does. years later, motherfucker. Cause no, he, he says a line. Like he knows. Yeah, yeah. He says, Oh wow. Already, I did not know that's that. That's the second time I've, you've something. I've something. had to retrieve my, my property, property from, back you. from you. Yeah. That belongs in a I miss that. That's good. You belong. <laughs> but yeah, let's talk about that so intro because I think Dr. it's. Jones. Um, I think <laughs> that intro it. is great. Um, you get a ton of backstory in a very short amount of time on Indy. You see where his fear of snakes comes from. You see where he gets the whip and the, his overall look all in the same day. So I think it works great. And I love River Phoenix as young Indy. 
Great. It's not too okay, much, here's, Jacob. Here's a question I'm going to hit you with then. Mm. If that works great, why do we hate Solo? I was going to bring up the parallel, Joe. I think it's because... Um, that is a good point. I just... I think it's concise storytelling. So you see, yeah, I mean, obviously it's, it's the opening. <laughs> yeah, it's kind it's of unbelievable that all that would happen in one day. Um, but it, I think it works. I don't know. I am 100% I, I, with Jacob. The fact that it's truncated, that's what makes it work. Yeah. I mean, it almost feels like it, it's called The Last Crusade. It almost feels like a tip of the hat to like, this is going to be it. So let's throw in some fun shit that that'll make fans happy. Right. You yeah, even get I, the... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I'm just saying, yeah, it, the comparison with Solo, I was thinking about that too as I was watching this. Like, why do I like the Rivers Phoenix sequence where he gets a whip and a hat and a scar and says it belongs in a museum in like right. 10 minutes? But it's like, and yeah. It'd be, well, it's the other one. You even get the missed. origin of his name being, you know, you get his relationship with his father. You find out that his name is really Henry Jones Jr. in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you get even in that scene, you get his already standoffish relationship with his dad, who you don't even see Sean Connery's face in that scene, but you see him working on the religious, you know, um, stained glass or whatever. And in and my mind, Jacob, it's foreshadowing. The reason we don't see him is because they couldn't get the makeup and stuff right. But don't you think he looks exactly like the Dr. No James Bond? Like he's sitting at that desk and we just get like a oh, perfect, sure. awesome looking Dr. Henry Jones, the first. Yeah. Well, and there it is. I mean, like, who could play Indiana Jones' dad? Obviously, it would be James Bond. Yeah, they wanted to make a James Bond movie, so you get James Bond to be his dad, because in some ways, James Bond is the actual father of Indiana Jones anyway. Right. But I want to know more about the guy that Indiana Jones basically steals his whole look from. The, the, you know, treasure robber guy in the beginning. Who is that guy? What's his story? I told you, he's got to be part of, like, a circus or something. That's Doc Savage and his, yeah. and his band of bad boys, and they, they like stealing artifacts. Let's take a quick break, we'll come back, keep talking more. Right after this. <laughs> All right, we're back. It's The Last Crusade. We just got done talking the River Phoenix introduction to Indiana Jones and his dad, Sean Connery, who we don't see. But yeah, now we're, what is The Last Crusade, guys? What do we think about the Holy Grail plot and all this kind of stuff? We are doing more religious artifacts, which is, again, playing the hits from Raiders. But God exists. Yeah. We know that from the first movie. But I, I want to know this, because yeah. Jacob brought it up for a second. Is this your guys' favorite series named after a dog? Is it Balto? Is it, <laughs> is it Benji? Or is it Indiana Jones? Beethoven. No, Airbud. Sorry. Airbud is the best Air dog there we go. franchise. <laughs> so if I am I mixing up stories here, or was this dog this was named after George Lucas's dog, Indiana, who's also the same yep. dog that inspired Chewbacca? That's correct. That it is, is the most important dog Amazing. in my life. <laughs> yeah. Imagine that too. Like you're able to say that. Yeah. He sat in he sat in George Lucas's passenger seat, which inspired Chewbacca as the co-pilot. Uh, Very important dog in cinema history. And we well, see him. So we see him in that Smith intro. Too. Oh, I hate that. Ooh, I really hate that. But I love seeing the big husky as he's walking by, and as River Phoenix is going to go yell at uh, Sean Connery, Mike. I have to know. 
you know, if this is your first time seeing this, did you know yeah. it starts with a young River Phoenix? Had you seen Young Indiana Jones, the TV series ever? No, I had heard about it, but I'd never seen it. And so this was my first viewing of Last Crusade. And like, you know, I, I, I started out watching it kind of on the side as I'm, I'm doing some other work. And then at a certain point, like right after like the River Phoenix intro, I was just glued to it. Like it was so fun. There's so many good action sequences. River Phoenix kills it. Like his cadence and his delivery of lines, like it belongs in a museum and his facial expressions, he totally nails it. Like I totally buy it. And that pulled me in. And then as soon as Harrison Ford shows up and we're off to the races, I just could not look away. Yeah, I just to echo what Mike's saying, I mean, I did see it before, but I remembered barely nothing from it, barely anything. Um, just specific images. Um, I knew that there was that bit in the beginning with a young Indiana Jones. Did not remember it was River Phoenix. Pleasantly surprised by that. Um, but overall, I thought it was a blast. Yeah, I'll just get this kind of rapid fire list out of the way. We get a horse chase, a train chase, a boat chase, a motorcycle chase, a tank chase, a <laughs> Zeppelin ride. A plane chase. What, yeah, do you, what do you want from this movie? It's insane. Great cross cut to one. them at the boat on the end. And so, Jacob, you're watching and this more and you're Nazi saying. And more Nazi punching. <laughs> Jacob, you're watching this and you're saying, I can't wait for that guy's brother to grow up and be the Joker. Baby. <laughs> Baby. Um, also, a shout out to the uh, Boy Scouts. Of America. Um, you know, as, a, as an Eagle Scout myself. Love to see that. And also, I believe Harrison Ford was a, I don't know if he was an Eagle Scout or he finished as a Life Scout, but um, very cool backstory there. And you were like the bugle player, right? You were like that kid of the group. <laughs> no, I was like River Phoenix. Oh, okay. Really just a cool guy. Yeah. <laughs> I love how you say shout out to the Boy Scouts when the joke is that all of the Boy Scouts get lost in <laughs> Indiana Jones is the only one who knows anything. <laughs> True. Yeah, but I was, I was the Indiana Jones. Obviously. But then there's that joke, too, to when he comes out of the cave, he's like, everybody got lost but me. You know, it's like, okay, Andy, whatever you say. So a lot of us were saying maybe this was gearing up to be our favorite. I said it was my favorite. Let me just say why. It's because the structure. This one is the easiest to just go, okay, the first half, we're looking for Sean Connery. The second half is the coolest set pieces you can imagine. We're in God's cave and everything that's gonna happen is like the coolest thing you'll ever see in a movie i'm just like okay i'll fucking ride this out till the end yeah and i think uh like i said you know bringing a a lot of the elements back from raiders um i think really helped it obviously bringing the nazis back bringing the religious artifacts the christian religious artifacts i think is pretty cool um the test at the end and everything and yeah the action scenes are insane that that dog fight like towards the end, incredible. Like I was watching this with, you know, friend of the show, Cole, um, you know, he loved it. He stepped out of the room for a few minutes during the whole gun, the whole plane battle. And I was like, dog, you just missed like the best part. Like that, you know, that plane sequence is fucking amazing. It's George and then Lucas when Cole, flexing his World War II nerddom. So well, hard. And yeah. then he's making red tools tails right after that. And then when Cole came back in, Jacob, you screamed out, a pious man kneels, but Cole didn't understand. So he got cut in half. <laughs> <laughs> that's right that's right he thought he could grab the cup you know he was so close to it <laughs> the cup of a carpenter <laughs> that's right um but yeah just this movie i think is the 
maybe the most complete movie. I think Raiders is maybe the most iconic, but this one is just a blast. It's a little more modern being made in 89 compared to 81 or 82. Um, it just feels, yeah, it's just, it's just a blast. Sean Connery's great casting as his, his dad. I think it just all really works. Joe, I got to get your take on this as the resident indie expert here. Yeah, I mean, I'm just loving hearing you guys gush over it, to be honest. Like, yes, it works best because it's bringing back all of the Raider stuff that works, but also the temple stuff, like the traps and things like that in the ending fit so much with, uh, you know, what we loved from Temple. And like, you're right. I mean, the relationship between Sean Connery and Harrison Ford, Indy and his dad, I mean, it's James Bond and Indiana Jones, like that's the chemistry there is just so real. And Sean Connery actually brought a lot to the character that wasn't written. Uh, Originally, like he was too, according to Sean Connery, Yoda, like, like it was too much like things Ah. that they had seen in empire. So he kind of brought this more timid take to the character um, or, you know, less action focused. So I thought that was really interesting to see the gruff son and the more proper dad work together. Yeah. I got to say that father son relationship Man, that really got to me, like, emotionally. Like, there's some emotional beats in that movie that are, like, really moving. And because he's so distant with him, and then when he thinks that Indiana has died, gone off the cliff, Uh. he's like, you know, that scene really got to me. And the ending is great, too, when he's just like, just leave it. Let's go, you know. Mm -hmm. Ugh. He wants to bring his dad back. Henry Sr. is my favorite character. Indiana. Indiana. Uh, in the Indiana Jones series, I just think he's the best. Let's look at that. I mean, Sean Connery, he's four years older than Harrison Ford, so he's getting cast as the dad. Um, former Mr. Universe. I mean, they would just do bodybuilding stories together. I read Harrison Ford's biography when I was in eighth grade, and I just remember zeroing in on all the buddy time he would have with Sean Connery. Girls would walk by and hit on both of them, and Sean Connery would leave with the girls because that's how much of a fucking stud he was. And let me ask you guys this. Is this the only film he does where we see his natural bald head? He takes that to pay I off. think there's other. There's some other ones where he's bald, right? I think. I also, I think never a Bond. Not not no. as Bond, but I mean, as you know, Hunt for Red October wasn't he bald in that? No, in fact, um, he very famously asked John McTiernan. He showed up on set with a super long ponytail, and John McTiernan was like, absolutely not. They cut his hair, and they say that the ex- reshoots were so expensive, and he says it's not because of the reshoots, it's because of the rug. We had to buy him an expensive rug to cover that head up. Mm. Um, Colin, I do have to, I think, slightly correct you. I think he's 12 years older than Harrison oh, Ford, 12. which is still wow. obviously too, you know, too yeah. young to be a dad but um i don't think it was four but very they are still very close in age i think yeah good erratic catch but yeah to be that close but then also working out but i think like you said jacob that relationship has played out really well even right when we see him for the first time not in the flashback but when he hits indy with the vase then he's like oh you know i'm so sorry and then he looks and he's like it's okay it's a fake it's a fake (laughs) but you think he's talking to his son but he's talking about the vase it's like yeah you know it sets up like where his priorities are and to see that That's arc great. complete, you know. You know, last yeah, time that, we had a quiet drink, I was drinking milk or something. It's like, man, very well done. And just the, the yeah, the amount of time they didn't really speak to each other. And then that cliff scene where he's like, oh, there was so much I, I wanted to tell him. Oh, that really got to me. But the comedy too, Jacob. I hope Harrison they can, like, looking over the edge and being like, dude, what, what, dude, what happened? <laughs> Indy, oh, my boy, I'm so, oh. 
And yeah. he's scared of rats instead of snakes. Like, they each kind of got that, uh, you know, scared of small right. creatures thing. Uh, yeah, it's quite quite excellent. I hope they can bring back the father-son dynamic in a future Indiana Jones movie that we've yet to talk about. <laughs> and I'm sure Hopefully. it will be just as good. I'm sure it will. Right. Um, also, some of my favorite humor in this movie, I think maybe my favorite joke from any of the movies is when they're on the blimp and, you know, the one Nazi general or whatever is looking for them and Indy is, like, playing the ticket guy. He's, like, asking people for tickets and then he, you know, eventually punches the guy, throws him out of the blimp and then he looks back, everyone's looking at him. He's like, no ticket. And then for everybody grabs their tickets out of their, their tickets out. That yeah, is a yeah. perfect comedy That scene, scene was hilarious for me. I can't believe they stole that from Dogma when Silent Bob throws that guy off the train and says, no ticket, yeah. Uh, you wanna, you're yeah, making a even, joke here, Mike. Uh, Steven Spielberg reuses some of his own jokes. In 1984, what's the name of that World War II? Or 1941, that's the World War II movie that he did. Uh, he mm-hmm. reuses the joke where that slimy looking Nazi pulls out and everybody's scared. Oh, what's he going to get out? Oh, it's a clothing hanger. Do, 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 do. I, I thought, yeah, even Steve oh, yes. oh, knows yeah. that you can <laughs> that reuse some perfect too. stuff. It's a great <laughs> joke, dude. When I saw that, that was Raiders, right? He pulls the thing out. I'm like, what does he have, nunchucks or something? And then he has he makes it into a fancy He just starts hanging. to yeah, put his clothes <laughs> on it. It's great. Yeah, Hilarious. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we said it for just a second up top, but obviously the best joke. And when you're getting that Spielberg campiness, oh, uh, Normies, this might be a good place to say there is a leaked PDF document that is a transcript of their first brain session um, that everybody did. The the writer, the director, the, the producer that is George Lucas all came together to do the brainstorming session of what should Indiana Jones be famously in one of those pitches, Steven Spielberg goes, and there should be a monkey that's a Nazi too, and he should salute. And you just get like, you really get like who these people are and where their goofiness comes from and uh, a lot of reining in that has to happen too. Yeah, speaking of that transcript, um, several years back, I remember seeing an um, like an article about it on, on cracked.com, uh, where they talk about some of the more interesting bits of that transcript because it's like a nine-hour session where Lawrence it's Kasdan is two hundred pages. Everything. Yeah, yeah. Every idea that comes to Lucas and Spielberg's mind, he's just writing it down. Um, some of them didn't make the film. Some of them are a little questionable. I think uh, they wanted to make Marion Ravenwood like fifteen or something when they first met. So <laughs> the big headline that came out of those uh, years afterwards, I think a couple years ago, like you're saying, when Cracked or somebody started doing them was. Ooh, did you guys know that George Lucas originally pitched that the reason their relationship was so tense and and uh, used is that he did use her. He used her when she was 15. She's, I think, eight years older, uh, Harrison Ford to Karen Allen. So it's kind of it kind of actually plays out that way they wanted to do. And immediately the other two just say. Eh, maybe. And they kind of breeze past it because they know that that's just a nerd. It's not malicious, I don't think. And again, it's the right. 1970s when somebody's writing this. So it's a little different, too. But uh, a little different time yeah, period. I but I think it's a great um, to check that out and just see the process behind, you know, how these movies get made, all the brainstorming that goes into it, the ideas that don't make the cut. I think it's very interesting just to see that whole behind the scenes process. I think some of the ideas they had uh, maybe should not have made the cut, uh, depending on yeah. uh, a number four movie <laughs> later. But for the stuff that, uh, like, even 
let, let's find the Holy Grail as an idea is so nuts. And then the way they pull it off the end set piece with the floor separating and coming apart, like it, it's incredible. It's just how do you spell God's the name? The sense of adventure Mike. has never been higher. The match cutting there is so good too. It's just really well put together across the board. And like they, you know, uh, give me your other hand. And then immediately, same thing, father and son. Like when she doesn't, she falls. Indy's so tempted too right. because, and that's a, you know, 40 years. I yeah, can still and reach that's it. another reason I, no, I boy. even like the, you know, the Elsa character because, um, you know, in the end, she did kind of trick that other guy into picking the wrong cup. She kind of went back to the good side, but then the allure of the cup was just too much. And so, you know. Well, we all know, due to the number one hit song uh, of Disney's Frozen, that all Elsa needed to ever do was let it go, <laughs> and she could not, and she perished for That's it. That's right. And then to see, you know, the same thing happen to Indy, where it, there's just something about it. He's like, I can, I can almost reach it. But now, um, the better you know, alternative for you, it. Jacob, would have been. Uh, Indy stays at the end and he becomes the new Knights Templar. I, I want to talk about that guy for a second. Would you guys <laughs> mm-hmm. stay there for a thousand no. years just sitting there sipping on that cup, sipping on that lean, getting getting Absolutely lit? Absolutely not. <laughs> no way. A thousand years is a bit much. No. I do think it's interesting though, um, you know, just the whole setup of, you know, they shoot you know, obviously they shoot his dad and then he's like, oh, he has to go, you know, get it. I like the puzzles. Um, there's this sense of, you know, you have to do like actual like archaeological or detective work to like figure out these puzzles. I think it's just a really good set piece overall. And then with a, the, you know, bunch of different cups, you know, he chose poorly. He, he, would you choose yeah, the cup of a carpenter? Stuff. I would choose. I would choose the gaudiest one looking there. I would think about the Pope. <laughs> I would think about a chalice, a real pimp cup, and I would say, "Yeah, let's pour that in there, baby." <laughs> but even choosing the cup is not the problem. It's he had the hubris to you know drink out of it immediately without questioning anything, and then you know obviously that didn't end well for him. So obviously we don't all have the same experience because we didn't watch it on VHS. But the VHSs had. Uh, a Diet Coke commercial with the night. Do you guys know what I'm talking about at all? Oh my gosh. No, that's insane. Yeah, there were Diet Coke commercials for all of the Indiana Jones movies, and I fucking love them all. They're, I'll definitely, I'll, oh. I'll, I'll put some out on social so you guys can see these. They were like a part of my childhood. That's wow, hilarious. and you chose wisely because you chose a Diet Coke is, is the, the stinger, basically? Right. Is the stinger, yeah. And then there's, like, That's other great. ones, too. I think there's one for each movie. I'll, de- I'll definitely I'll, – I'll tweet them out so you guys can see those. Oh, that would be incredible. Yes, please do. If we're going to do childhood stuff real quick, I got to ask because this is more prevalent and existed before we get to the next movie. Did you guys ever get to see the stunt spectacular? Did you ever go to Disney and get to see the live Indiana Jones show? No. Yep. I, um, my brother was in it one time we saw it. (laughs) It's, it's really weird because it's like the making of the movie Indiana Jones. It's not really Indiana Jones. So they're like pulling people Mm -hmm. up to be extras and stuff like that. It's really bizarre. You're pulled Um, up. You said he got to be in it. You, you get to volunteer and somebody's like, Hey, now you. Yeah. They like pull people out for them to be extras. Okay. Here's a waiver. It's very long. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> you might get crushed like by this rock. at this point. 
bunch of yeah, blow darts dart. are going to go in your back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah but yeah, you yeah. get to run away at the end. You get to go to a seaplane and then a guy puts his snake Reggie on you and you get, you get away. Right, Joe? That's exactly how it goes. Yeah. I mean, I remember as a kid too, like you couldn't get Indiana Jones action figures in the like late nineties. Those were all in the mid eighties, but the only place you could get them was Disney world and Disneyland because they had them at the parks. And like, I was most excited when we went to Disney World, not to like ride any rides or do anything, but to like come home with a fucking Indiana Jones action figure. It was like Damn. all I wanted. I did not have any of the toys. Yeah, I was like, you know, on the on the opposite side of the main popular stuff. Like I would have chosen Pepsi over Coke, obviously. I would, I would have chosen wisely there. But, you know, being Sega, not Nintendo, and we would go to Universal, but we wouldn't go to Disney. And like we were always kind of on the opposite side of the trend. So I, wait, I, wait, wait, wait. I did go on Jaws, but I didn't get to experience the end of Jaws, is what I'm saying. You would choose Pepsi over Coke? Yes. I don't what? know if that is choosing wisely. <laughs> no, Coke is According to the commercial, it is. All right, well, we're not having this debate here. <laughs> the soda of a carpenter. I'm just saying I didn't get to experience it. <laughs> Pepsi is the soda of a carpenter, man. RC, maybe. <laughs> JC. Right. If nobody has any final thoughts on Last Crusade, then let's do it. Let's fucking bite our bullet here. Let's uh, get covered in CGI, guys. We're talking Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. All right, we're talking the last one. We're talking Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, and then we're going to be talking an uncertain future, maybe, for Indiana Jones. But let's talk about the one that we do have here. So I mentioned up top how much I love that transition from the mountains to the Paramount film. Uh, And then I told you that I watched this one first. So in my mind, I had that memory of Raiders, and I was like, oh, that's such a cool opening. I wonder how this one goes. The dissolve to the digital gopher hole, looking like the Paramount Mountain. We're already spelling yes. trouble, guys. Like, we're in murky waters as it is. Like, we're opening up bad. Some people like to make a mountain out of molehills. Um, honestly, though, yeah, in that moment, like, I can pinpoint the exact place in my life when I became jaded with Hollywood reboots and remakes. <laughs> And that gopher is the exact moment when I saw this in the Arclight with my hard-earned dollars. And it's like, you shot this digital. You put a bunch of dumb George Lucas CGI shit. It's the first thing you see. You don't even see Indiana Jones. I hate it. I want to hear it. Pinpoint the moment, guys, where it fell off for you. Because I'll say mine is when he's swinging with the monkeys where I went. I might have to turn this off. (laughs) Here's the thing. For me, okay, I don't like the gopher. I don't like the monkeys. My hot take is... This movie is not as bad as people think it is. It's really not. It's tone. It's totally in line with the the first three movies. I think it gets a bad rap. I do. I don't like the overuse of CGI, but I really think um, some of the more over top stuff totally fits with stuff in the earlier movies. Indiana thoughts. Uh, Jacob, I totally agree with you here, man. It is not as bad as people no. think it is. Um, everything is in line, and you know you have to remember that these are comments on the serials right so it makes total sense that you would have sauce flying saucers and aliens and and tarzan swinging on vines with the monkeys like nuking the fridge doesn't even bother me because 
he survives the white rafting <laughs> yeah, in, in yeah. Temple. Like, all of that seems online. It's the CGI, though. Like, I was so excited for this movie. I dressed up for it, went to it at midnight, and it just falls off right away when you have that, that CGI opening. I felt really lied to. And that Tarzan, like you said, I mean, that is straight pulled out of the pulp. That It's pulpy homage. Right. But my thing is, like, you know, people say, you know, the fridge and stuff is over the top. I don't necessarily think so. In Temple of Doom, they survive the plane crash by, you know, jumping out with an inflatable raft. That's and true. they're totally fine. So, <laughs> oh, that's a and great that thing was busted. I watched yeah, that episode. Well, that's Do you have a problem thing. with the aliens, Jacob? No, I love the... I think the aliens look fine. That's the only CG that I think looks decent. The gopher, not great. Why did there need to be a close of that as the, like the first ants, shot? I don't know. Why, oh, oh, okay. Well, the here's ants, why. Not great, Here would be but, my take. I have said this analogy since this film came out because very much like Joe, we were young college students at the time. We didn't go together, but I remember thinking in my mind, this is it. Like, we're getting an Indiana Jones in my lifetime. I should be excited about that. Because there wasn't a lot of options that Evil Dead was going to come back or that they were going to do more with Star Wars after the prequels. So with that prequel taste in my mouth, you're watching these movies. And I would say the best sum up I can do is it's 10-year-old Steven Spielberg. He's doing a book report for school, and it's fine. It's not the best book report. It's a perfectly adequate one in line with the other ones he's got. He's going to get a B on it because that's what he got for school. But... Mom happened to drop off a little brother with him, George Lucas, who's a toddler, a preschooler, and God damn it, if he didn't turn away for two seconds from that book report and George Lucas got his crayons out and drew all over it. Now, unfortunately, <laughs> that means analogy. he's going to get an F score because you have a beautiful <laughs> film with these weird highlights of like, you wouldn't believe what industrial light and magic can do right now. We can make a whole gopher. It's like, I don't, I don't care if you can make a whole gopher. It does not work. <laughs> do we have to, George? Yeah. Like. Yes, yes, you have to. The gopher, the Shia swinging with the monkeys is probably my least favorite part. Easily. My whole, but my take is this is not as bad as people remember it to be. I, you know, when it came out, I saw it when I was 18, came out in 2008. Um, I, you know, went with the bandwagon of, oh, this movie's terrible, blah, blah, blah. It's not that bad. It totally fits with the tone of the other movies. Forget about the overuse of CGI. I think there's a lot of moments that work in this movie, and I think it gets a bad rap. You just said a big part of why people give it a bad rap, though, is Shia. Do you like Mutt, Jacob? I love... Okay, here's the thing. Love, I love he loves Shia. Him. For the record, he <laughs> loves Mutt. So strong. I love Shia LaBeouf. Love. And because of that, I like Mutt as a character. I like the greaser thing. I like it. And I've been a huge Shia LaBeouf fan. Going back to, you know, watching Even Stevens as a kid. So There's I just like Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> Theory. He's good in this movie. I, I think, you know, I don't mind him at all. He's into motorcycles. He likes combing his hair. I can get behind that. <laughs> He's a complete character. Look, I'm, I'm going to jump character. right on with Jacob here. I right, like go. that he is not... I like that he's not Indiana Jones. He is kind of dumb. Like he's along yeah. for the adventure and he's he's hot-headed and he doesn't think things through. He's not the same guy and it's not like they tried to give us an Indiana Jones replacement and that means the world to me. The fact that like they understood Harrison Ford is Indiana Jones, Indiana Jones is Indiana Jones. You can't just have a y- another young adventure. Totally. And they do it with the end of the movie where – you know, the hat comes in with the wind. On. Shyla almost puts it on. 
but Andy takes it, it back yeah. because yeah. it's his. That's where I do get lost, Joe. Because yeah, at my character. point, that is where they are trying to say, we'll try to do a couple more of these. Or even just the yeah, idea saying, of, oh, maybe next time. Yeah, but you guys even keep saying that you like that he ends up with Karen Allen and stuff. I don't like that. I don't want to see a married, happy Indy at the end because it makes me say, is he going to stop doing these adventures? I don't want to think about the fact that he kind of had a mirrored relationship with his father in that he didn't get to raise Mutt. You know, he didn't he didn't get to go for these adventures and be a dad. And yes, you're saying, well, that's the point of the film. He needs to learn that by the end. But again, that's not the point of my Indy. My Indy goes on adventures. Right. Well, we got that with Han Solo, uh, who, you know, left his marriage and went around on adventures and didn't raise his kid. Right. That's true. Right. Here's what I'm saying. Um, I think everything that you didn't like just there works great for me. I think um, the whole mirroring of, you know, his own relationship with his dad, I think that works great. And he is going to still go on adventures. But the whole point is that Marion was like his one true love. He had other love interests in between. But you know, like he says in the movie, you know, their big problem, they weren't you. And, you know, just them reuniting, I think it works great. And I liked it all. So (laughs) sorry, guys. Are you guys uh, familiar with the Mandela effect surrounding this movie Uh, and the ending with Mutt and the Hat? So uh, allegedly there are people, and I might be one of them, but it's been so long since I saw it in theaters, but allegedly there's cuts where the hat blows in and as Indy takes the hat, there's an ADR line that says, in your dreams, kid. And people remember oh, that I being in the movie. I definitely hear that. It's not That's in there? That's not sounds in. Familiar. It wasn't in the one that I watched. It sounds familiar, yeah. Is that familiar to you at all, Joe? This in your dreams uh, cut? I don't know. I kind of vaguely remember that in theaters, but I've seen it multiple times afterwards, so obviously I didn't see it. It's not in there. I'm going to need to yeah, rewatch it. Yeah, just kind of smiles and... I, to me, it's just them saying, oh, maybe next time Shia will be like the main <laughs> character. Had that right, work out. I just thought not this time. it was interesting that there, there might be a cut out there. No one knows. if No one's found it. That people are looking for it. But the, the alleged In Your Dreams kid cut. Hmm. I don't know. Could be fake. It's, it's the newest you, artifact It's we need to find. Do you guys like the, um, I mean, like. Joe said the time movement the fact that we jump up to the 50s and like Jacob said the greaser element and stuff that's worked in that's all from George Lucas's past he loves that but along with the new characters we have Jim Broadbent who sort of is like I've always been here you know we've always worked at the university together you have uh, Ray Winstone who's like hey come on we've always gone on adventures together a lot of that these forced backgrounds for people where it's like come on here we go again and I think but we're not doing it again that's the guy I know Indiana Jones well I have to disagree with you again Colin because (laughs) keep in mind there's this is your favorite one right (laughs) this this is not my least favorite one this is not my least favorite one um there's 20 years in between that. So, of course, yeah. he's going to have met new people and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. the whole point of, you know, Ray Winstone's character he met in the war. So, you get this whole backstory. He was in the war, you know, after the 30s, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, and the other thing, the Jim Broadbent, obviously, they did want to bring back Marcus Brody from, right. you know, Raiders and Last Crusade. But um, his actor, unfortunately, did pass away. So, they couldn't do that. So, they just kind of replaced him with Jim Broadbent. So that doesn't bother me too much. Um, I also love Kate Blanchett in this movie. (laughs) Yeah, that accent's going in and out for me. I don't know. 
Kate Blanchett as bad guy. Well, bad. What you no, know what I, I mean? As villain. Mm, I love Kate Blanchett. She. I always think she does a great job. So I think she did a really good job in this. She's you know obsessed with you know psychic powers. She's a fencer. I love it. I love She's it. Offensive <laughs> to my sensibilities as a film goer. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Go ahead, Joe. I have Here's, to I um. I think also what's interesting here, and we'll talk about it in a little bit, the legacy of Indiana Jones video games and comics and stuff, I think really affected this movie because in that, you know, a villain who like may or may not have psychic powers and things like that seems way more regular. That stuff we encounter way more often Mm -hmm. in the original three, we did not have that kind of stuff. So I think like for people who are just obsessed with indiana jones like that wasn't that big of a deal to me um but like i get i get problems with her performance i know it's a little it's a little weird look i understand this movie has its flaws but at the end of the day like i still like spider-man 3 (laughs) (laughs) but here's the thing people complain about psychic powers aliens there's mystical elements in every single movie so indiana jones has seen stuff before so why would this be any different I mean, it's aliens, not, you know, religious artifacts, but still like, it, you know, this is the wor- an over to the top serialized world where there's all kinds of different mystical powers. So I have no problem believing in basically the ancient aliens theory, which is what this movie is about. Right, right. I just had thought the X-Files movie came out earlier that year. Um, <laughs> so I was a little... I don't mind the aliens at all because think about it, you know, in the 30s, you know, the Nazis were obsessed with these all call occult artifacts and such so it's kind of based on his history the 50s you know you have roswell you have the cold war mm. russians were obsessed with different things so i think the alien stuff actually works really well for me anyways fair enough is uh, it doesn't work fan, for me is it but i'll leave it at that uh, i it works for me kate blanchett not so much not because of the psychic stuff i just don't think i think she's phoning it in for some reason but is That's it fan servicey I, like, I think she's great is it fan service in your guys' opinion to return to the warehouse where the Ark is? A little bit, but again, I think it makes sense because that's where they keep all the top secret stuff. Yeah. It's something I would have wanted to see. If I was a writer, that's the shot I would have taken was, well, wouldn't it be cool if we go back and blah, blah, blah? Because that is where you have a lot of questions. And I like using like the metal to figure out where the, the MacGuffin is. Like That, that is cool. The bullet I stuff's like that really cool. Give me your shotgun shells, yeah. and the guy ejects it right into his hand, like Soviet. Like, no questions asked, Mister Jones. Here's your your bullets. You know, I like it. Right. Another thing that I think really works for me in this movie. Um, so obviously, you know, Nazis are a very unambiguous bad guy. The Russians, the Soviet Union. Obviously, there's the Cold War. A little more ambiguous because I do like how they're not. I mean, they are kind of like the the Russians that are coming after them. They're bad guys, right? But you do have that sense of like. Um, you know, red, red panic uh, in America, HUAC, all that stuff, you know, they're coming for academia, you know, Harrison Ford has to resign, all that stuff, because they think that he might be a communist. That was actually happening in the 50s. And I think that's really adds a layer to it where they're the, you know, it's not just the communists are bad and America is good. There's a little more detail to it where the, you know, America has its own issues. And I like that element a lot. Yeah, because, you know, even in the modern day, America has some issues. I don't know if you know that. It's up. incredible how socially relevant is Mike to see even the two sides at the diner of these are greasers. These are the normal kids. You know, we have those divisions yeah. now. Uh, is there Josh. one 
Yeah. Is there any black faces in the movie? There's the really cool in Raiders. Remember the pirate who who takes Karen Allen and is like, no, she is yeah, my woman Katanga. now. And he's kind of, yeah, Katanga is like a cool character. I, I would have liked to see somebody yeah. like that. So. You're right. It is a very white movie. Um, yeah. It's a very unfortunately. white movie. <laughs> um, Ray Winstone, I didn't like as much, but I got to say, Kate Blanchett, no. I don't know why you guys are dogging her. Coming I always love Kate Blanchett. What do you it, want okay? to know? Everything. Galadriel. I want to know everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you like that. You like great. that scene? That feels <laughs> that, yes, I like that, that feels anticlimactic to me because once again, like Elsa in number three, it feels like she had to succumb to her own devices, and we just didn't figure out how to write a way to that until the final scene. Yeah. Unfortunately. I definitely could see that coming. It is kind of a rehash of Elsa from Last Crusade. Um, but they had to do something, you know. I mean, she obviously was going to die in the end. Um, and then Ray Winstone is kind of almost another element of the Elsa where he can't let go of the, you know, the um, treasures, so he dies. Um, but if, that's kind of a rehash as well. If John Hurt, Jacob, one more character was from Indy's past, if that was Sala, would it have bugged you i mean right. that to me would have i know that karen allen is supposed to be the only cornerstone that he has to the original series i guess in that film but i could have used a couple more especially because guys we haven't even said like what that film was billed as okay the return of indiana jones and when we all watched that movie years ago we said harrison ford looks too old to do this now, since that time, he has done Star Wars films. Mm-hmm. He has starred in CGI dog movies and stuff. I almost wonder, you know, oh, we're wow. talking about, call the wild. We're talking about where the next one goes, rebooting the character and stuff. He said he's not going to do it again. I almost kind of wonder if maybe he even passes away before we get to the next film. He's up there, guys. Like, God love him. No way. Harrison Ford will never die, first of all. Well, I hope not. So jot that Well, he'll be there. frozen in carbonite. Second of all. <laughs> second of all i don't think he looked too old in that movie because the whole point is that he's getting too old for this shit in the universe and like so they kind of play that up and in I like hindsight that no way because i know how old he looks now going ben you don't remember your mom i'm a ghost or i'm in your yeah. mind or something yeah <laughs> I go like he's wow look at indy he's bending down to pick up stuff like that's incredible <laughs> right he's selling look, it's punch. not the years wow. it's the mileage yeah, but i think mileage yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly improv'd by and the way improv'd by harrison ford in the moment i love that line great line great line um but let's talk about the future because as far as i know he is signed on to do this fifth one we got recent developments in february of this year 2020 yes. steven spielberg is not directing anymore but obviously it's uh james Ma- marigold whatever james manigold is t- Mangold. Um, Logan. But Spielberg is still producing, and as far as I know, Harrison Ford is still going to be in it. Am I wrong? Counter, It'll- counter uh, write-ups, because Harrison Ford, after Star Wars, after the rise of Star Wars, after all that good stuff, he came out and yeah. said, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to start my stunt stuff. I'm going to get going here. I probably will do Indiana Jones again. Everybody kind of rolled their eyes because before that, Kathleen Kennedy had announced that they were still doing stuff with the property, that maybe it was going to go to Chris Pratt to take over as Indy. Um, 
I don't know. I wonder now with the fact that we just lost the screenwriter, the fact that James Marigold was just announced as the director over Spielberg, I would say that is the nail in the coffin, Jacob. That David Kopp, the screenwriter who did Jurassic Park, who did Crystal Skull, isn't coming back. But he says they might use some of his ideas. Yeah, we'll see. We kind of know how Kathleen Kennedy does stuff. Yeah. It's gone through a few rewrites with different people. Um, here's my thing. So I saw Chris Pratt in your notes and here's my, again, hot take. Recoil. I have, <laughs> I have a maybe irrational dislike of Chris Pratt. I don't like him. I think he's good in, he's good as Star-Lord and that's about it. I kind of hate him in everything else. I don't like him in the Jurassic Park movies. I don't want him to be, I don't want them to reboot Indiana Jones with Chris Pratt. I would hate that. I would not be into that at all. The only sequel I want is a continuation of this universe. Bring Shia back. Bring Harrison Ford back as the oh Sean Connery God. role. <laughs> okay, that God. was going to be my That's question before want. we threw it to anybody else. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, I said it earlier. Crystal Skull should have had Short Round. You want to continue this universe, give us Short Round, you idiots. Short Round would be great too, but I say bring back Shia as well. All right, sh- short round Maybe they team up. Maybe they yeah. team Short up. Round, you say that. Short Round gets his own film. To me, there's there's a filmmaker Short right round now. Showrun is so who's competent. Like, Come on, it's like Ari Aster. He he just does a movie and then he's like, I should make a short round film. Like that should happen right now. We should put so much money behind some young guy starting it up. But no, it will be it'll be a rehash. I want to know. So your two opinions outside of Jacobs, because I want to know. Do you want the rehash, the reboot, or do you want the continuation? I, I don't mind the reboot. Hmm. I'll go quick. I mean, I don't even want another Jaws movie, and I don't think I want another Indiana Jones. Joe. Yeah. uh, I mean, it's hard to imagine anyone taking the reins from Harrison Ford, and no matter what they do, it doesn't, like, take away from what we have already. You know what I mean? Like, I'll still see it. I'm an Indiana Jones fan, but, like, no matter where it goes, it doesn't take away the trilogy I grew up loving. Like, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull didn't, wherever we go next, won't. Well, I, you know, we saw this with Rise of Star Wars. I feel like that did take away because it made me not want to tell people I'm a Star Wars yeah. fan. So I hope that like they don't yeah. ruin Indiana Jones to a point where it's like, oh, yeah, I like Indiana Jones. Yeah, here's That'd the thing. be tragic. I agree with you, Joe, in theory, but I can already picture a reboot with, a, with Chris Pratt as a young Indiana Jones, and I already hate it. I have no interest in seeing <laughs> oh, that <yeah>. movie. <laughs> Come on, sure. It's like basically it's the like opposite of Kate Blanchett right now. I hate girl. it so much. <laughs> I don't like Chris Pratt. He's I, just not, wish... I don't know why he's a movie star. Stop well, putting Chris Pratt in movies. If they were going to reboot it, I would want it to be like a completely unknown. Like someone that like isn't yes. a known action star already. Um, I want Aaron like, Eckhart. I don't know, man. I don't really it's not like Star Wars where you have to worry about people being like, oh, you're an Indiana Jones fan. Like you guys are my best friends. You did not realize right. I was this into Indiana Jones. As much. I say we give Tom Selleck his shot. Finally, he comes back. He's finally allowed to be Indiana Jones. They wouldn't let him do it before. Let's bring him back. Let's get him in there. Blue Bloods. But here's the thing. Would I mean, what is the problem with making a sequel where Shia takes over as the main action role and Harrison plays the Sean Connery father, elder, statesman kind of role? That's a very, seems like a very easy concept to go and make. 
I'm only down if we so can get Kate Blanchett to return from the alien dimension and be his villain. <laughs> we don't need Kate Blanchett, but maybe if we get Michael <laughs> Fassbender or Tom or, Hardy uh, or Jude, Jude Law. Law yeah. uh, Benedict, Benedict <laughs> Cumberbatch would be a villain of an Indiana Jones movie. He would be yeah. perfect. Yes. Benedict Cumberbatch is my pick. Uh, let Khan. me ask you guys oh, this, because sure. we're only talking about one person. What is Spielberg's role in this new world, Jacob? He's an on-set producer, but he's saying things like, well, on Ready Player One, we did this. And you're like, shut up, old man. Go sit down. I mean, yeah, he's producing, but I think he's stepping down to let new directors kind of put their spin on it, which James Mangold, I like a lot. I think, you know, Logan, obviously, is a great movie. Um, So I would be interested to see that, but I want it to be a continuation of this universe. Bring Karen Allen back. Bring Harrison Ford back. Bring Shia LaBeouf back. Why not? Um, I would much rather have that than a reboot. Ah, not me. Well, if you can't get enough of these movies and the universe, there is a, there's a lot of other stuff you can do. I mean, there's there's a, a long history of comic books and video games that are all great Harrison Ford, Indiana Jones adventures that like you can dive into those and 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 enjoy them and they'll be all new to you you know like if you if you haven't checked any of that stuff out i highly yeah. recommend it because those are really great additions to the world totally joe i know you've killed a lot of these video games you love them very much i did a little research i have not touched them but in seeing them i saw there was a video game called atlantis i also noticed there was a separate comic book about atlantis Considering God and considering aliens, it kind of seems like that's the next one. That's where the next indie would go. Like, it's always been there. Atlantis, Atlantis, Atlantis. Yeah, so um, The Fate of Atlantis is a click-and-point adventure game. That was, like, the first one that they did before they went to, like, 3D action-adventure style. And then the comic book is a condensed a little darker a little more cinematic version of that game so it introduces like another love interest for Indy and then that game actually was supposed to have a sequel that didn't happen and then Dark Horse made the comics for those as well so like you have the the 80s where they did adaptations of the movies and then like 30 something issues of comics that were just like the further adventures of Indiana Jones. And then in the nineties and early two thousands, dark horse had the license and essentially made like movies that were off of concept for video games that never got off the ground or like other action adventure stories. And those kind of like fill in the gaps for a lot of the different stuff we love for Indy. Like if you like just the temple of doom type stuff, you're going to want like something like, um, the the arms of gold or or thunder in the orient but if you like like the more high concept adventure uh you know stop the nazis from ruining the world stuff you have um stuff like the iron phoenix where he's tracking down the the philosopher stone to stop the nazis from bringing all the dead nazis back to life so like the comics i highly recommend they're in collected volumes from dark horse so you can get all of those um and then, yeah, the video games, too. Sure. Like, um, Fate of Atlantis is probably the one people know the most, but then there's a bunch of other ones that I've played through. So here's my pitch, right? Um, he goes to Atlantis, and then who does he meet there? Jason Momoa. My it's man. Aquaman, baby. Indy. My man. <laughs> hey. hey, guess what, buddy? You just nailed it. And, and I know you're kidding. He would make a great 
not a Sala, but a sort of background character too. I got a billion actors oh, sure. I would put in this fucking franchise. And I yeah. know that we always do the sort of soft pitch because we're young, we're consumers, where we're like, wouldn't this make an incredible TV show? We mentioned it. Young Indiana Jones Adventures sucked. I would race home. Sci-Fi Channel would be playing one of those hour longs. And just the fact that it was American history, because Indy feels so European, but for budget constraints, it would have to be America, because that's where he was at the time as a young person. You're getting these adventures that are like, well, it's a Native American peace pipe from this tribe. Let's go get it back. And it just doesn't feel as grand. I... I don't know if TV's the right avenue. A new Indiana Jones show that's like an adventure a week. Would you guys like that? That would feel small to me. Yeah, I don't. I, Indiana Jones is a is a theatrical experience to me. It's a theatrical format, right? It's a larger than life story, so it needs to be yeah. presented as such. I would say so. That's where yeah, I would no land prime. On it. It's not the Jack Ryan. It's not a you know, long flavor format. of the week. That would, yeah. It would just suck. Yeah, I don't need like a CW version of yeah, it. Just give me another movie. Set it in the '60s. Easy. Indiana Jones and the LSD of yeah. time. <laughs> He's got to fight evil hippies. Indiana Jones <laughs> versus women's rights is what it's called. You're like, oh, whoa, no. whoa, why is versus in there for the first time? <laughs> I can't call you doll. <laughs> I can't whip. Remember when in the Temple of Doom, he whips Willie Scott to like pull her back? Yeah, yeah well, no. saves her life. All right. Well, I think we've raided enough of these tombs. We've gone in these temples. Let's hit our last crusade here. Let's talk the wrap-up of Indiana Jones. Throw me the rope. Throw me the whip. You know what I mean. Throw me the wrap. (laughs) Keep it in. Just say it's a snake. All right, we're back. We're talking Indiana Jones, wrapping up things here with our final thoughts on the franchise, on the character. Uh, is this a Legends episode? We haven't done one on Harrison Ford yet, but we've talked about Solo has gotten its own episode. Indiana Jones has gotten its own episode. Uh, Jacob keeps saying, when are we going to do Air Force One as its own episode? I say, no! Uh, but <laughs> the man deserves praise. He's... <laughs> get, get off my plane. Get off my plane before I crash it. He deserves praise because the fact that he has survived. I I said, will he die before the next one? If he does, it will be self-inflicted. He has survived three plane crashes in the past five years, all in single flyer planes that he just crashes onto golf courts. God bless the man. He loves flying. Um, He's so interesting because you could say, Oh, well, he did these acting jobs, you know, to pay off the aviation. That's his real passion. Well, no, he did the acting jobs to pay off being a carpenter, a set carpenter, which is where he kind of first got his start. Uh, He's just a tradesman, right? Is there any actor who feels more? Oh, I've heard this analogy before on uh, Action Boys podcast. I'll throw this out to you. Are there any actors like him who are comfortable with aging? You see Robert Downey Jr. now in Endgame be like, I have a kid and I'm almost 70. And you just kind of laugh and say, Harrison Ford in old movies used to play a dad, but he also looked like a dad and he also acted like a dad. Um, and he's my dad. Yeah, we grew up watching his movies. I love this movie. 
It's a 10 well, out of 10. I don't know how to rate it. It's perfect. I think that's an interesting point, Colin, because, you know, obviously Harrison Ford kind of broke into acting stardom a little later than most kind of leading men do more into his 30s. Um, and he was kind of a sex symbol for like years and years in his 40s, 50s, 60s. He was a sex symbol to like, you know, middle aged women and stuff. So he did. Uh, act, Jacob, he did age gracefully. My mom yeah. took me to six days, seven nights. Not because I wanted to see it. <laughs> is there another plane crash in yeah. that movie? My, you know. Pretty sure every yes, mom is. loved Harrison Ford in the '90s, right? True. He, that's you nailed it, dude. That, was there anyone who was so ubiquitous for men and women at the time? You know, you could say Tom Cruise. You could say something like that. I would even say Tom Cruise is scared of aging. You know, he's shooting himself up with every stem cell on the planet. Harrison Ford, the craziest thing he ever did that we all made fun of him of was when he got that earring. And who gives a shit right. if Indiana Jones has an earring? Like, I think that's cool. I think he can pull so, it off. Rock yeah. on. Yeah, Pulls man. I'm not going to tell him he can't uh, wear an earring. <laughs> Certainly. I'm not going to be the one to tell Harrison <laughs> I'm not gonna tell him anything. Yeah. Uh, my final thoughts on the Indiana Jones series. Um, they're, they're awesome. They are the definitive action-adventure franchise. Like, they are what a action-adventure series should be. Um I do think they're a product of their time. We're seeing things now with Gone with the Wind being taken off the internet. You know, there's certain things in the Indiana Jones that I think you need to be prepared to see if you haven't watched them. You know, for example, uh, John Reese Davies playing an Egyptian guy. You know, there, there's things like this that are in these. Right. He's really a yeah, dwarf. He's really a tree beard. But like, so there's <laughs> things that are a little of like when they were made. And you have to take it with a grain of salt. But if you can just watch these action adventure films and the craft behind. The acting, the set pieces, the adventure is is incredible, and they're definitely worth checking out. Just you know, be prepared for a little, uh, you know, late seventies, early eighties ness to them. But that being said, they're they're absolutely amazing and American treasures, uh, and worth checking out. Real quick, sure, sorry, yeah. just because you said that, Mike, I'm reminded of something you and I both watched this hmm. year. Think of Sly Stallone. At 75, playing Rambo oh, yeah. still, and how he acted in that movie, versus looking at Harrison in Crystal Skull, where you just say, again, I know we acted like he was so old back then when he was doing it, but he was comfortable. Mm -hmm. And they both had heart-ripping-out scenes in their franchises, but I think it's... Han oh my god, that's the ending <laughs> of that film, too. You're it's totally Hannah right, Mike, they are, Doom. It's a remake of Temple of Doom. Yeah, yeah. Just get Stallone in as the witch doctor, who cares? Watch them. They're amazing. That's all I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they are. Um, yeah, for my, you know, final thoughts, I have to agree with everything that Mike said, you know, what, what you guys have been saying. These movies are great. They're a blast to watch. Um, they're definitely, um, you know, a relic of their time, but I think they really hold up, especially, uh, you know, Raiders. Uh, Raiders, I think, is just iconic. Um, like Joe said, it's like the perfect movie version of what it is. I think Last Crusade is a blast. Temple was my least favorite, but I still appreciate it. And then, you know, obviously my hot take of Crystal Skull, it's not that bad. I had a lot of fun watching it. And, you know, I'm glad these movies exist. I, I wouldn't mind seeing another one. Right. Joe, what about your takes? Indiana Joe, you brought us here. You should be taking us out. Here we go. Um, look, Raiders of the Last Ark, the tagline is the return of the great adventure. That means so much to me uh, in terms of like 
writing and 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 the way movies should be i mean this raiders raiders feels like the way movies should be indiana jones is a hero who never says die he is resilient and tough i think he means so much to a lot of people who were were growing up and seeing him kind of as like the pinnacle man and uh i was definitely one of those kids he's he's better than han solo he's he's my absolute end-all be-all and it's a franchise built by um, like true American grit. Like I really feel like it's one of the most American franchises out there and he kind of is one of the most American heroes. So I love Indiana Jones. I love Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, if you're a fan of the movies, there's definitely a ton of comics and video games to check out, all of which are great continuations and further adventures of Indiana Jones. And also the comics that I've been advocating for a short round spinoff. He did, with Indiana Jones, find the Crash Millennium Falcon and Han Solo's body in these comics, too. It's not canon, that but that did happen. Oh, my but, uh, God. Yeah, no, it's real. Look it up. That happened. But, uh, Colin, I forgot. We have yet to get your, your final thoughts on the, the Indiana Jones franchise. Please take it away, sir. I love Indy. I just think he's a cool guy. He's a cool character. Joe said true grit coming from him. Other than Rooster Cogburn, it's like, is is that the <laughs> other great American character? That's what that was making me think of. Indiana Jones, too. Uh, I said last week, you know, Jaws had no future. I wonder if it's because it came from a book and wasn't an original idea that Spielberg says, I'm comfortable with that. I did it. I'm done. But with Indy, he looks at it and says, no, that is my golden goose. I love doing stuff with that, and I want it to continue. Normies, I want it to continue. I love Indy. I want more. We hope you want more. Uh, You know, if you like these episodes, again, we're doing our little summer of fun here, doing some early blockbusters that we wouldn't get the chance to watch otherwise. Hope you guys are watching along. Uh, We're going to be doing your tops, your favorites. So keep going with that Spielberg stuff, even if you just want to say, I'm on a kick with this now. I gotta watch. Blah, 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 blah. Go ahead and go ahead and do it. Uh, and otherwise, keep listening to this podcast. Hit us up at at normie underscore like underscore us on all our social medias where you can reach out to us and say, I love this summer of fun. Here's what I want to. And uh, I don't know. Let us know your final thoughts on Indy, too. We're, we're curious if you guys are watching them or if you're also going to say, like Jacob, don't let Chris Pratt anywhere near this property. I have a feeling no, a lot Chris of us Pratt. feel that way. All right, so we've been your hosts. I'm going to be uh, short calling, I guess. All right, like I said, I'm Kali Mike, tipping my hat to you, Professor Jones. Indiana Joes. Yeah, I've just been having a blast uh, watching these movies, so looking forward to the next episode. And I am, well, Colin took mine, but I'm Jay Cobb Brown. We'll see you next time, normies. Bye. Catch you next time. Oh, hell yeah. This is Aquaman, and if you enjoyed that episode, I'd really appreciate it if you give it a like, share, and subscribe on iTunes, and you'd really be one of my man if you share with a friend. We'll be seeing you around.